0: Boom, boom, boom. Bang, 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 bang. What up, world? Welcome to another episode of the NFL Podcast. My name is RJ Ochoa, staff writer for InsideTheStar.com, your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis. Also the host of Ocho Live, your only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option, which you can watch on Twitter, Periscope, and the, Inside the Star Facebook page. Also, you can check it out at OchoLive.com. Subscribe to Ocho Live, the podcast, if you just enjoy the audio and just want that. We have that set up for you as well. And here we are on our second episode of the newly named NFL Podcast podcast, same exact thing as the RGO Choa Show, don't get confused at all, same thing, this is episode 45, we didn't just miraculously make 43 episodes of the NFL podcast that you missed, we just changed the name, like I said last week, it's just like we painted the outside of the house, we didn't move the furniture, we didn't move your favorite things, we still have the same foods in the pantry, everything's good, it smells the same, all is well around here and around town, and uh, you know. Life is awesome, man. I uh, I gotta say, right now, uh, shout out to my dad because I'm recording this and I've got wireless headphones that he got me. So much easier. I'm not just attached to this microphone like I normally am, uh, and so you can't tell, but I'm just moving my head around, just shaking it around. It's a, a whole lot of fun, and um, you know that's how I roll. And so um, my dad and I, uh, Papa Oach, as a lot of people know him, were at the Cowboys and Eagles game in Week Eight, and we had a blast. Thanks to everyone who. Participated in our Ocho lives and uh, tweeted us and, and things like that. We had fun. Week eight was a wild one in the National Football League, and we're gonna talk about it here in a second. Um lots uh lots to digest, lots of news, and um, you know, we'll we'll do that. I just wanted you to get comfortable. You know, like I said, this is a the house is a different color. Tell me your thoughts. Reach out to me on Twitter at RGOcho or follow us here at The NFL Podcast. Literally, that simple. At The NFL Podcast. You know that I call a spade a spade, and that's what I wanted to do uh, with The NFL Podcast. We are presented to you by slantsports.com, where uh, we just cut cut right down to business, which is what we did here, and uh, we did that. So, All that being said, this episode today, uh, we're back on our our two-episode-a-week sort of regimen, and this one's going to recap week eight and sort of digest some of the news that happened across the NFL. And uh, why don't we get started? Let's do some news first. Hold on to your horses. If you have a horse, I want to know what its name is. Again, let me know, seriously, because I'm interested in that. So the first bit of news, um, this was Halloween, obviously, week in the NFL. Halloween was on Monday, uh, October 31st, and so we saw a lot of fun costumes. I'm sure you follow NFL accounts on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, so you saw all the players and stuff like that. And on Halloween, it was, uh, whether you, I don't know if you want to call it a trick or a treat, either way, Andre Johnson, the longtime receiver for the Houston Texans, arguably the greatest player in Houston Texans history, retired Um while a member of the Tennessee Titans, this, um, you know, was kind of weird, if we're being honest. I mean, Andre Johnson, always kind of a quiet dude, except for, um, you know, the fight he got into with Cortland Finnegan, who coincidentally was playing for the Titans when that happened. But Andre Johnson retired, and this happened just one week after Arian Foster retired, while a member of the Miami Dolphins, um, the, you know arguably the second greatest player in Houston Texans franchise history. So within a span of seven days, um, you know, players who, who helped really make the Texans relevant in terms of the NFL landscape, retiring while active. That's the the weird part about it. It's just retiring while active. Um, I mean, how does that happen? Like, do you just lose your, your passion uh, for whatever's going on? You just decide it's not worth it anymore. I kind of understand Arian Foster battling with some injuries and things like that, but Andre Johnson always seemed weird to me post Texans, and I, I make it sound like that was a long time. Last year, he you know if you remember he signed the big free agency deal with the Colts, cut after a year there in the Titans. It it always seemed like he just had something something to prove. You know to the te- I mean, he chose to stay within the division I, with two different teams, and, and so um, I think that that's interesting. But happy trails to uh, to Mister Andre Johnson. Um, you know, good uh, good for him. Enjoy enjoy retirement. So. Uh, the biggest news, I think, of the week, uh, you know, it, it really uh, the the trade deadline for the NFL was Tuesday, November first, at three p.m. Central time, and really the only blockbuster trade, which is crazy because you don't typically even see blockbuster trades mid season in the NFL because it doesn't work the same way other sports do. You see stuff like this in professional baseball. By the way, recording this on Wednesday, November second. Um, Hours before Game Seven of the World Series, pulling for the Cubbies. I think that'd be cool. Both stories would be cool, but I'm I'm on the Cubs side of this history, and um, so you see things like that in baseball, but not really in football. And but still, the New England Patriots traded linebacker Jamie Collins, who, if you watch Sunday Night Football, Chris Collinsworth has quite the man crush on. Uh, Jamie Collins being sent to the Cleveland Browns. He started his day on Halloween. 7-1 and and ended it 0-8 as a member of the Cleveland Browns, being traded for a third-round pick. I thought it was really funny if you listen to, um, to the Bill Simmons podcast. Bill Simmons is, uh, you know, obviously a huge Patriots fan, big Boston guy, and right away he just was like, so it's basically a second-round pick because, <laughs> because you're assuming the Browns are going to be at the very top of the order. Uh, so you're talking about it's essentially just a really late second-round pick as opposed to a third-round pick. But uh, the New England Patriots sending Jamie Collins. This was really puzzling because Jamie Collins is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And again, Chris Collinsworth, for what it's worth, my favorite color analyst uh, in the business. I love Chris Collinsworth. I love the way he analyzes the game when he's on call. And Jamie Collins is a stud. And look, the New England Patriots were going to have a decision to make in free agency with him and, and Hightower, their other linebacker, who is the leader of that defense. But I mean they they were probably going to end up with a, a third round or a fourth round conditional pick off of him in you know if he signed with anybody else in free agency it just made it weird it, it just you know if anybody else in the nfl makes this trade we're sitting here destroying them killing them saying they don't know what they're doing they're a mess but bill belichick does it and we trust it because time and time again he proves that he knows what he's doing uh and so You know, you just have to wonder if he ruffled some feathers, if he didn't abide by the Patriot way, as we've heard before. But either way, he is a member of the Cleveland Browns now, Um, so uh, good for him. Um, You know, weird deal. Weird, weird deal. One of the weirder things we've seen in the NFL recently, Um, but Hugh Jackson... Was excited about it. I have confidence in Hugh Jackson. And, and by the way, Hugh Jackson saying this week that Corey Coleman, the wide receiver and Cody Kessler have been cleared of their injuries. Uh, very likely that Corey Coleman starts on Sunday when the Browns welcome the Cowboys. But moving on other news, Tyron Matthew the honey badger, the Arizona Cardinals if you want to call him a corner safety, whatever just the DB, the ball hawk he is going to miss three to six weeks after a shoulder subluxation um, things just really not breaking right for the Cardinals in 2007 Sixteen. I saw Mark Istook, who's been on this show before, he tweeted during, um, during their game last week when they played against the Panthers, and they got humiliated, we'll get there in a bit when we analyze the games, but he said, man, it really is just all or nothing with the Cardinals, it's, you know, funny, because they were on the Amazon show that NFL Films put together, we talked to Shannon Furman about, you know, all that, but all or nothing, the Cardinals, and I saw another point on this, and we'll talk about Monday Night Football as well, we don't really question Bruce Arians, or Mike Zimmer. And you know why? Because they're loud. Because they are funny. Because they say things that other coaches don't. So we say, "Man, respect to him. Respect. He'll he'll say what everybody's thinking. That's awesome." And we really like them. So when things are bad, we don't kill them. I mean, I mean, I'm not advocating literally killing anybody, but we don't we don't you know ever doubt or question Bruce Arians. I mean, this dude has won Coach of the Year twice with two different teams, and. You know, he's built up enough credit that you just don't doubt him, which is weird, but his team is falling apart. Carson Palmer, you know, you look at this, and you look at how close they were last year when they got obliterated in the NFC Championship game, and... Man, they were so close. That was probably the the one run that Carson Palmer is ever going to have in his career, um, especially now that the Honey Badger is going to miss some time. Other news, the Green Bay Packers released running back Niall Davis, who uh, they traded for just a few weeks ago. So that didn't work out. He had five carries for five yards in his Green Bay Packers career. So um, good for them. (laughs) But uh, that was interesting as well. Also, you know, there's a lot of talk about Zeke Elliott. You ever heard of him? He's going to win rookie of the year. He's probably going to leave the NFL in rushing. Um, This kid is amazing. He's something else. And Frank uh, Salzano, the legal advisor for Zeke Elliott, he put out a press release that talked about because the NFL is investigating the domestic violence rumors that we heard about Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, shortly before the season began and his... You know, legal team said that the interview that Zeke had with the NFL was four weeks ago and that they have a, quote, mountain of evidence stating his innocence. This has been, you know, tucked and sewn away for a while now. You know what this this says to me, honestly, and I've talked about this on Ocho Live. This says to me that the NFL saw everybody destroy them for what happened with Josh Brown. All right, Because they suspended Josh Brown for a game. They didn't learn anything from Ray Rice or Adrian Peterson or Greg Hardy or any of the other incidents. There are a lot more. But they didn't learn anything from Josh Brown. So now they want to look. Oh, man, we, we take domestic violence very seriously. Which you should, don't get me wrong. But that's how they want to look now. They want to look like we search every nook and cranny. That's why we're taking this Zeke Elliott thing so seriously. And why? Why Zeke? Because this is kind of a witch hunt, if we're being honest. Why Zeke? Because he is so famous. Because Zeke is the star rookie running back for the Dallas Cowboys. If they are investigating him, if you want to call it that, investigating, I think a lot of the word investigating, I wouldn't use it, but they are. If they're investigating one of the most visible players in their game, then it looks like they are really doing their due diligence, which they did not, to a categorically large level of failure with Josh Brown. But they want you to think that they care all of a sudden, which is why they're going to such great lengths. They are literally piggybacking off of the spotlight that Zeke Elliott has so that they can look like they care about this. Again, Frank Salzano, the legal advisor for Zeke Elliott, is saying that they have a mountain of evidence. And let's just assume that that's true to, you know, maybe not take him at 100% face value, but take him at like 70% face value, even if it's not a mountain, even if it's just, you know, a nice pile. If there's any level of evidence, it doesn't have to be a mountain. If there's one piece of evidence, evidence is indisputable fact. If there's evidence of something, it means that, Whatever you're investigating is over and done with, and uh, I think it's a shame what the NFL is doing to make it look like they suddenly care about domestic violence. It's um, it's insulting, honestly, if we're being totally honest. So let's move on, though. Percy Harvin, the you know, if you want to call him a wide receiver, you could kind of call him a running back. Really, just the gadget player. We see guys like that. Percy Harvin. I think Tavon Austin sort of fits that bill. Percy Harvin has come out of retirement. To party with the buffalo bills so percy harvin is back uh with the bills uh they need some receiver help bad and to me what this says is the bills must not feel too good about sammy watkins who was on injured reserve uh the Bills signing percy harvin to uh to a deal worth a million dollars over eight games it does include incentives obviously um and I mean, they must be worried. They really must. To go get Percy, to go coax Percy Harvin out of retirement, they must be worried about the status of um, of Percy Harvin. Cowboys cornerback Mo Claiborne, who was playing like a top five cornerback in this league, uh, apparently has a groin injury. He's going to miss about four to six weeks, it was uh, reported. And so uh, we'll see what happens there. On the subject of injuries, though, it has not been a good year for Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles of the Chiefs, really has hardly played. And not only has hardly played, but Spencer Ware has looked fantastic. It's worth noting that um, Spencer Ware and Charkhandrick West, the other two running backs on the Chiefs team, it, Niall Davis was one of them, but they traded him to the Packers who cut him. Charkhandric West and Spencer Ware both were re signed by the Chiefs this past offseason. So you have to um you know you have to be worried about Jamal Charles, especially because Jamal Charles was put on injured reserve. The Chiefs did also sign Bishop Sankey, the uh, former pick of the Tennessee Titans so Jamal Charles is on injured reserve you have to believe or have to assume that this is the end of the road oh I don't know the rest of the words but it's the end of the road for Jamal Charles's time in Kansas City I think that we'll see him sign with somebody else next year mate I mean I'm just gonna guess right now maybe the Seahawks the Seahawks kind of looking for some help uh doesn't look like Thomas Rawls is gonna be that guy Kristen Michael has had that awakening but I could see Jamal Charles on the Seahawks you know I, I could see that uh next season but you have to Imagine that he uh, he'll be done as a as a Kansas City Chief just because they've got enough people there and it, it makes financial sense to part ways with him. So um, so you know tough times for Jamal Charles moving on um, you know in the NFL obviously the Jamal Charles thing is a big enough deal but a huge deal about a, a person who's literally bigger than Jamal Charles. Redskins offensive lineman Trent Williams suspended for the next. Four games for violating the NFL policy and program for substances of abuse, which means he did something that you're not supposed to do. He took something that you're not supposed to take. Trent Williams is going to cost his team, he is going to miss games against the Vikings, Packers, Cowboys, and Cardinals for the Redskins, who are currently in last place in the NFC East, but well within the conversation at this point with a record of 4-3-1 after their tie in London. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Trent Williams, He for what it's worth, this is the real stupid thing, honestly, about... NFL suspensions is Trent Williams can attend meetings and work out at the facility that's what happens when you're suspended for the program for substance of abuse but when you violate the personal conduct policy you can't so for example if you didn't know Tom Brady when he was suspended the first four games of this season literally could not show up to the facility and work out or anything he couldn't have any contact with anybody but Trent Williams uh my phone is making some noise that's what you heard uh here on Ocho Live for a second my phone wanted to be a part of the conversation but um Trent Williams can attend meetings and um you know good for uh, good for that I guess but Redskins in some trouble but also on the note of uh Niall Davis you know because we're going chronologically as far as news is concerned but I know we already discussed Niall Davis he was claimed by the Jets all right after the Packers dumped him all right and then the Jets released him seriously after like owning him for like an hour, the Jets released Nile Davis, and um, they finalized the deal for C.J. Spiller. So C.J. Spiller being reunited with Chan Gailey um, out there in New York. The Jets are man, I just feel so bad for the Jets, honestly. If uh, if we're being honest, but the final bit of news that was uh, particularly important that we need to address before we head to the break: Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Norv. Turner, Norv Turner, uh, achieving probably the highest level of success as the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys in the 1990s, very close to Troy Aikman, served as his Pro Football Hall of Fame enshriner. Uh, Norv Turner resigned. From the Buffalo, oh, it's not the Buffalo Bills. From the Minnesota Vikings, resigned, wasn't fired, totally resigned on his own accord, his own will, his own idea, his own intentions. Uh, he did release a statement. The Minnesota Vikings tweeted it out, and it says, "quote I have tremendous respect for Mike Zimmer, our coaching staff, and our players. And at this time, I think it is in the best interest of the team to step down. I thank the Will family for my time here in Minnesota. I want to see our players and coaches achieve success." Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are five and two. They are currently leading the NFC North and they have now lost their quarterback. their running back their left tackle, their star defensive tackle and their offensive coordinator. That's insane. Um, but, yeah, North Turner, happy trails to you, coach. Hopefully everything is okay. Hopefully this was just uh, a decision you made for yourself um, and, uh, and no big deal. And, and for what it's worth, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday morning, um, in terms of Thursday night football, we have a contest between the Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Falcons already declared Tevin Coleman, the running back, Dwight Freeney, the star pass rusher, and Jacob Tammy out for that game. Also, the Bucks on the other side of the ball declared Doug Martin and Jaquiz Rodgers out. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Oh, and last bit of news. We already talked about the Chiefs, but Nick Foles will start at quarterback for the Chiefs because Alex Smith is in the concussion protocol. I told you, it was a heavy week, and it's not even done being Wednesday yet. It's been a heavy week and we're still on Wednesday and we will still be on the NFL podcast after this break when we come back to break down the week that was in week numero ocho. So don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial even though there is no dial. It's just fun to say. Hang on. Hold tight. And we'll be right back after this break here on the NFL podcast. So don't go for this hour. Cowboys Nation. I bet you want to know when the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East this season. If you want to know, you got to head over to InsideTheStar.com. Inside the Star is your home for the best. Dallas Cowboys news and analysis on the web, including posts like me telling you exactly when the Cowboys are going to win their division. You can check out InsideTheStar.com on the web at the aforementioned site. You can follow us on Twitter at Cowboys Nation or at InsideTheStarDC. And make sure you go like us on Facebook. Just search for InsideTheStar. If you want to, you can also hang out with us on Google Plus, Snapchat, or Instagram and we've got game previews, bold predictions, lots of fun stuff for you because you are concerned with all the matters of America's team. Now let's get back to this week's episode of the NFL podcast. Oh. It is Mariah Carey bringing us back on this week's episode of the NFL Podcast. I am your humble host, R.G. Ochoa, and we are out here doing the deal, talking about the NFL. You know how we do every single week on the NFL Podcast. Now let's get back to talking about the NFL. And I want to talk about week eight, because it was week Ocho, and I am R.G. Ochoa, the host of Ocho Live, your only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option. Ocho is a big deal to me. So... As you know, the Thursday night football game between the Jaguars and the Titans was uh, about as boring as we thought it was going to be. That's right. It was pretty boring. Blake Bortles managed to scrape 337 yards together. DeMarco Murray looks great. The AFC South is sad. That's pretty much how I feel about this. But the Sunday of week eight is when things were kind of juicy. The NFL kind of back. You know, the NFL had been down for like seven weeks. I mean, not like seven weeks, literally seven weeks, because week eight means that seven weeks preceded it. Good job, RJ. But the NFL had been kind of bad. We all know that. The quality of the games had been down. The ratings had been down, etc., etc. Week eight got started with a London game, the final London game. And a week before, we told London that we liked them so much that we sent them the Rams. That's right. We told London that we wanted them to like football so much that we sent them the Case Keenum-led Rams. I'm sorry, London. You gave us Harry Potter, and we gave you Case Keenum. Those are not the same. They aren't even close. Either way, we gave him a better game this time. The Washington Redskins taking on the designated home team, Cincinnati Bengals. Kirk Cousins, man. I've been singing his song for a while as a Cowboys fan, I've said that Kirk Cousins is uh, pretty good, and the Redskins are the team I fear most in the NFC East. That you know maybe falls down a peg with the loss of Trent Williams for the next four games, but still 458 smackaroos for Kirk Cousins in the air. Smackeroos is uh, a synonym for yards, basically. AJ Green was fantastic as always. The Redskins really did not miss Matt Jones. Um, but, uh, this, this game went to overtime. It was the first game in the history of the London series that went to overtime and, um, Dustin Hopkins, Redskins kicker had a chance to get it done. And we saw the week before on Sunday night football, Chandler Catanzaro, Steven Hauschka. They both missed this. And, uh, if you, if you read Bleacher Report, you know, they have their Gridiron Heights thing and they do these little cartoons. And this week on, on Gridiron Heights, it was, Chandler and Stephen Houshka in, in what was like um, like a support group for kickers. It was, it was a really funny little, uh, little skit they did. And Dustin Hopkins was a part of that support group because he also missed a field goal that would have won the game for the Redskins. This game ended in a tie, the second tie in as many weeks for the NFL. Not only the second tie in as many weeks, the second tie in four games because you had the week seven Sunday night football game. And then you had Monday night football and then Thursday night football. And then this was the first game. So two ties in four games, it's pretty absurd. Um, The Redskins and Bengals both getting a tie, I'm sure. Jay Gruden afterwards said... Uh, albeit somewhat faci- uh, facetiously, like, oh, I didn't know you could tie. But when you saw that on Twitter, it looked really bad, just because it was like, coach, you are the coach. you got to know this. But, uh, but, yeah. The next game, the Arizona Cardinals visited the Carolina Panthers. As we discussed, this game was originally slotted at the 3 o'clock window America's Game of the Week uh, between what would be Troy Aikman, Tom Brenneman, and Aaron Andrews because Joe Buck is covering the World Series. And they moved it to noon because the Panthers and Cardinals, if we're being frank, suck. That's why. That's why they moved this, because they suck. And the NFL didn't want sucky teams in a slot where a lot of money is, you know, riding on it. So the NFL said, look, you teams, you two, you suck. We don't care that you were the NFC championship game last year. Uh, and the Panthers kind of played just like that game. They beat the Cardinals 30 to 20. That score is a little bit misleading. This this thing was out of hand early for the for the Cardinals, I should say. they uh, They were done early in this game. They managed to come back and make things a little bit interesting but no 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 the Panthers get it done get their second win of the season so good for the Panthers um but I mean I don't have any faith in either of these teams and I do think it's silly that we don't really chastise Bruce Arians because he's got some swag that's really it so uh but yeah Panthers get the win the next game the Kansas City Chiefs in Indianapolis the Chiefs winning 30 to 14 As we talked about, Alex Smith left this game for a little bit and Nick Foles came in, actually led the game in passing in terms of yardage, had 223 yards. Andrew Luck was the game's leading rusher with 60 yards. Travis Kelsey had himself a nice game. Um, Travis Kelsey, kind of a weird guy because he's been dominant at times and you kind of think he's going to be the next big tight end, but he doesn't really ever do it consistently, but he had a nice game, and so did the Chiefs, and uh, the final one that Jamal Charles was not uninjured reserved for, and Chuck Pagano just falls again. Chuck Pagano, he's a nice guy, but he's a bad football coach, and the Colts are going to be bad. You know, in the NFL, you really are as good as your franchise quarterback. If you have a franchise quarterback, you can be good. Like, really, you don't, honestly have to have much else if you have a franchise quarterback you pretty much have a ticket to the playoffs it's about building around a franchise quarterback that makes great teams great teams in this day and age the Colts have Andrew Luck and they still manage to be inept in so many different ways it is honestly difficult to continually be this bad but the Colts have found a way the New England Patriots, with Tom Brady at the helm this time, took on the Buffalo Bills out in western New York uh, at, uh, at the place the Buffalo Bills call home. And they destroyed them. 41-25, to 25, Tom Brady, 315 yards. Gronk. Crossed 100 yards. Mike Gillisley did have a nice game in uh, Lashawn McCoy's absence, but it wasn't enough. A lot of these points came for the Bills in garbage time. This is amazing, honestly. When you think about this, Tom Brady, by the way, has not lost a game since returning from suspension because of DeflateGate. But it was the week before Tom Brady came back that the Patriots were in or not in. They were hosting the Bills and they got skunked. All right, the Bills shut out the Patriots, and a few weeks later. Just because of Tom Brady, they put up 41 points on the same team. That's crazy. That's how good Tom Brady is. 41 points worth. Insane insane Mr. Brady the Cleveland Browns hosted the New York Jets in one of the more exciting games honestly of the week uh Josh McCown in his return uh you know had 341 yards Terrell Pryor seems to be the real deal man he had over 100 yards um but the Jets got it done the Jets got it done Ryan Fitzpatrick found a way the Jets are better than the Browns they proved that to us which is uh apparently a bragging right for uh for the J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets. 31-28 to 28 was the final score. This game doesn't really mean anything um, except for a little bit of confidence in Ryan Fitzpatrick's mind. False confidence, albeit, but still confidence nonetheless. One of the most exciting games, I know I said that one was, but uh, the Oakland Raiders visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Raiders, Derek Carr, thank God for this. They are so exciting. Derek Carr, Had over 500 yards, and I laugh because he is my fantasy quarterback. Also, if you watch Ocho Live every Saturday, we build a DraftKings team. All the proceeds go towards Ocho Live merchandise. And Derek Carr was our quarterback, and we won this week on Ocho Live. So shout out to uh, the Ocho Nation. But Derek Carr, 513, 173 of them to Amari Cooper. The Raiders won this thing in overtime on a touchdown to Seth Roberts, 30 to 24, the final score. Sebastian Janikowski had a chance to win it in regulation, and. And then in overtime, and he missed both of those field goals. Kickers suck now, by the way. If you're not Dan Bailey or Justin Tucker, really, that's it? You suck. That's just the new rule. It's the new way of life in the NFL. Uh, but the Raiders, man, they get it done again. The Raiders are so much fun. I love the Raiders. Um, and you know what? The fact that it took them overtime to beat the Bucks probably says how really not good they are. But still, they're so much fun. The Raiders are going to go to the playoffs. They're, like I said, they're probably going to win an insane wild card game, kind of like this game where it's back and forth and they win in the final seconds. And then they're going to get blanked in New England on the road. That's what's going to happen. I think at some point we'll see a changing of the guard in the AFC. I think, you know, Derek Carr is this conference's next great thing. Certainly looks more so than Andrew Luck at this point. Uh, Jack Del Rio, a big part of that. But um, Jack Del Rio, by the way, you know, we've talked about Mike Zimmer and Jason Garrett for Coach of the Year. Jack Del Rio deserves to at least be in the conversation. I wouldn't have him win. I mean, he would at least be fourth behind those two and, and maybe Bill Belichick. But Jack Del Rio, at least, you know. Coaching his tail off right now. And Derek Carr playing phenomenally. Uh, this was a fun game. The Bucks continue to disappoint. Jameis just not getting it done. Um, you know, Doug no Doug Martin's really hurting them. Jaquiz Rogers got hurt. Mike Evans is fantastic, but that's really all the Bucks have to brag about these days. Um the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford a week ago looked like an MVP. He only put up thirteen points um behind Jim Bob Cooter's offense in Houston, and the Texans got the win 20-13, to um, just kind of a boring game, just honestly. I mean, the Texans are lukewarm. That's all they are. The Texans are lucky that the Colts keep shooting themselves in the foot honestly if if we're being totally and completely honest here i think the texans need to watch over their shoulders for the tennessee titans cuz the titans are coming the titans are doing what they can to make themselves relevant and uh, i think the texans need to watch out the lions are disappointing i thought they were one of the better teams in the nfc and they very well might be just because the quality of the nfl is down this season but losing in houston is not the way to uh, to prove that that's the case the nawlins new orleans saints welcomed the Seattle Seahawks and Jimmy Graham, their uh, former son, to town. And um, Drew Brees, man, 265 yards, which is like a boring day for him. Like, he's disappointed in 265 yards. But I tell you what, I tell you what what was impressive here, the New Orleans Saints' Mark Ingram fumbled in this game, and they benched him. I don't know if, if it has to do with the fumble, but he did fumble the week before. But Tim Hightower led this game in rushing. He had 102 rushing yards. And I picked up Tim Hightower in my fantasy league. And I think you need to go pick up Tim Hightower in your fantasy league. Because I think Tim Hightower is taking over the touches in New Orleans. The Saints, again, 265 yards for Drew Brees is nothing. And 25 points for the Saints. All of this happening at the Superdome is kind of a shocker. It's a good thing they won. But the Saints are about pass, pass, pass. Score, score, score. Big play, big play, big play. But if they can run the ball with Tim Hightower... That gives them a different option, a different element to their game. And I think a better ability to win games on the road. So I think Tim Hightower is kind of coming along like he was at the end of last season and going to be a big part of this Saints offense moving forward. Uh, this was a rough loss for the Seahawks. This was a rough loss or rough weekend, I should say, for, for everybody in the NFC, not named the Cowboys uh, and the Falcons. But uh, but the Seattle Seahawks falling in New Orleans. Jimmy Graham has a sad face on his face. Moving on to the 3 o'clock hour, the Denver Broncos Hosted the San Diego Chargers. I had a feeling that Phillip Rivers and his Chargers were going to go in there and do this thing. I really did. I I, I felt it in my gut. And my gut lied to me. I hate you, gut. The Denver Broncos got this win, 27-19. to 19. Trevor Simeon just got it done. I mean, that's kind of what this is, you know the fact that the chargers only had 19 points, I think is a Testament to the Bronco defense. Um, they're great. And Wade Phillips actually had to get caught it off after being run into on the sideline. He tweeted earlier this week that he was okay because he's the man, but, um, Look, the AFC West, Sunday night football this week, the, the Broncos and Chargers, excuse me, the Broncos and Raiders play, and that's going to be amazing. This, this division is going to come down to them, especially now that Alex Smith is hurting in Kansas City and the Chargers. The Chargers are a good team, honestly. I mean, I think, I think if the Chargers were in the AFC South, they'd probably be leading that thing. I think if the Chargers are even in the AFC North, they're more formidable. I think if the Chargers are in the NFC West, they're more formidable. The Chargers are just right now they're the fourth best team in a division that features four very good teams and so uh, it sucks for them but the Denver Broncos one of the better teams in that division and that's why they won this game 27 to 19. The other game that was promoted to the 3 o'clock hour um, America's Game of the Week the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Green Bay Packers and the NFL was so happy that they did promote it because it was, you know, it lived up to the hype the Falcons won this game 33 to to 32, excuse me Matt Ryan continuing his impressive Season Aaron Rodgers continuing to not really be too impressive. Jordy Nelson did kind of wake up a little bit in this game, almost had hundred yards, and that was cool. He was on our Ocho Live DraftKings team, but still, the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a rushing touchdown this game, and cool, that's impressive. Aaron Rodgers, but what I hate about Aaron Rodgers is the moment he, um, you know, he scored, he rushes into the end zone, obviously, and he does the discount double check belt thing. And it had been a long time since we'd seen Aaron Rodgers do the discount double check belt thing. I said that the Carolina Panthers were the team version of Odell Beckham Jr. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback version of Odell Beckham Jr. When things are going great, this dude doesn't care. He's all sarcastic. He's super smug. But when they're not, you know, lighting the world on fire, he doesn't care. He's you know, he doesn't want to talk. But because he rushed in a touchdown that gave him a lead at that point in the game, he discount double checked. By the way, it was the Georgia Dome in Atlanta where Aaron Rodgers it be. E.J. Raj, he discount double-checked six years ago in the divisional round of the playoffs before they won the Super Bowl forty-five. I can guarantee you that Aaron Rodgers was thinking about that. I have no problem with Aaron Rodgers being smug or being arrogant or being whatever, but he tries to play this whole thing off like he doesn't care. Like, you know, he would have no memory of discount double-checking in the Georgia Dome. You know, like, he's totally and completely aloof about this. That's just what bothers me about this, like, the fakeness of it. Like, dude, if you want to, you know... If you want credit, just ask for it. We'll give it to you. But don't act one way and then, you know, go to the discount double check in the same place where it really took on a whole new life and expect me to not connect those dots, Aaron. You're better than that, Aaron. I believe in you, man. Come on. So, that was that game. Kudos to the Atlanta Falcons, who at this point, I would say, are the second best team in the NFC. The first best team hosted the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Carrie Underwood sang her song. Al Michaels did the play-by-play. Chris Collins did the color. You know how it goes. And I was at this game. And look, I've been to a lot of Cowboys games in my life. The best one being Cowboys-Broncos in 2013, the epic duel between Tony Romo and Peyton Manning. This was... By far, the second best Cowboys game I've ever been to in my life. I'd never been to a Sunday night game, and I had never been to an overtime game. And so to get it all done that way was just phenomenal. I've never seen AT&T Stadium as hyped as it was in this game. And so many people talk about how Jerry Jones's stadium isn't really built for the passionate fans. It's super quiet. This place was rocking. This place was on fire. This place was in Fuego. All right. And uh, it was a duel between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. And it really wasn't about that, if we're being totally honest. Dak Prescott, I think, did have the better game, did have the awful interception. And, you know, it was, I, th- I think it was Linda Cohn of ESPN last week that tweeted um, something about how, you know, we were concerned that Tony Romo coming back could affect this team. And the same could happen with Des Bryant. Now, I know that. You know, a lot of you listening are Cowboys fans. I know a lot of members of Cowboys Nation have said that facetiously. Just like, oh, well, if you're so concerned about bringing Romo back, might as well not bring Dez back. You know, we've said it as a joke. But Linda Cohn said it for real. And I'm not saying I agree with Linda Cohn. Because I don't. I absolutely don't. But I will say that Dez Bryant being back certainly changed things. Because there were a lot of times where Dak Prescott tried to force balls to Dez Bryant. And there's something to be said about that. I mean, it was week one of this season when da- uh, when Des Bryant only had five targets and we killed the Cowboys. We said, how can he only have five targets? He's so amazing. He's Des Bryant. You got to target him more. So, you know, maybe we're just hypocrites. But what Dak Prescott had done so well through the first six games of the season was just take what, what was given to him. Just take things, take things, take things, not force things. And for what it's worth, Des Bryant... Did have a great night. Four catches, 113 yards, the big touchdown uh, to help the Cowboys get in range there at the end. But, I mean, I think that the Cowboys need to watch that closely. I think the Cowboys really do uh, need to be careful with that. But at the end of the day, having Des Bryant on your team is <laughs> A freaking awesome thing. And this was an epic game. Like I said, went to overtime. Dak Prescott hit Jason Witten for the game-winning touchdown. This was a game that saw both coaches attempt uh, passes from their wide receivers, which was awesome. Um, This was a game that saw Jason Garrett run a fake punt with Chris Jones, a successful fake punt, which was incredible. Um, This game had it all. It was incredible. It was so awesome. It was such a good time, uh, such a good thing. And uh, it wasn't a good enough thing for Eagles wide receiver Josh Huff, though, who um, after the game uh, on Monday was arrested for having drugs on him and a gun. And he said on Wednesday, what professional athlete doesn't have a gun? I mean, look, I'm not trying to get into a gun control debate here. That's not what we're going to do, but... I would assume that there are professional athletes who don't own a gun, Josh Huff. So, whatever. Monday Night Football was a big shocker. Uh, we talked about this on Monday night's episode of Ocho Live. The Minnesota Vikings traveled to Chicago to take on the Bears, who were welcoming Jay Cutler back. We had not seen Jay Cutler since Monday Night Football of Week 2. That's right. This was the Bears' Fourth primetime game in eight weeks, their second Monday night football game, their second Monday night football game hosting, uh, which is crazy if you really think about it. But Jake Color played well. And Jordan Howard, the rook, the running back, played phenomenally, 153 yards. Uh, he was uh, the star of the game. Alshon Jeffrey looked good, caught his first touchdown of the season. The Vikings just looked broken. Uh, the Vikings only put up ten points and maybe that's a lot of why North Turner resigned uh as the offensive coordinator. But the Bears won this game twenty to ten, handed the Vikings their second straight loss, their second loss on the season. And the Vikings have lost some luster, I think, in the uh in the NFC landscape and you know, hey That's the way it is, and that's the way the week was. It was a fun one, and uh, it was a good one, week eight, week ocho, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So we will be right back after this break to wrap up this episode of the NFL Podcast. Again, don't go anywhere. Just hang back, be cool, and enjoy the ride. We'll be right back after this break on the NFL Podcast. What up, world? Are you looking for something to do every day at 3 p.m. Central Time, or maybe later in the day when you need to re-watch something cool? Well, look no further than Ocho Live. Ocho Live is the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option that you can watch on my own personal Twitter and Periscope or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. Every day at 3 p.m. Central Time on Ocho Live, we get together, we hang out, we talk as a community about the Dallas Cowboys. After every primetime NFL game, we also jump on and talk about whatever we saw, whatever we liked, whatever we didn't. So you can catch up at Ocho Live. Com. again you can follow me on twitter or periscope to get those feeds or the inside the star facebook live feed if you want ocho live in a podcast format like you have the nfl podcast you can subscribe to ocho live the podcast it's just the audio from that day show if that's your cup of tea so check out ocho live follow me on twitter you know the drill and we'll do the thing now let's get back to this week's episode of the nfl podcast <laughs> Come on. I'm doing a kick line. Welcome back to the NFL Podcast. Frank, bring us in. Hope you guys are having a great time enjoying this episode. I love this song. I love everything about it. I love how historical it is. I love the pageantry behind it. I love the smoothness of Frank Sinatra's iconic voice. And I love the memories associated with this song. You know, I saw Jerry Seinfeld in person a few years back. And when he finished his routine, if it isn't obvious, it was just a stand-up routine. When he finished, he literally walked off the stage to this song. And it just had this this feel um, like New York. I mean, I watched the show in San Antonio, Texas. But it just had this feel because you got Jerry Seinfeld. Obviously, the show takes place in New York. And I mean, who who is the bigger king of New York? Besides Jerry Seinfeld, he is the king of the media capital of the world. And that's pretty cool. And the kings of New York are going to be the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. December 11th when they win that game and clinch the NFC East this season. If you want to know more about that, you can read my article at inside the where I expanded on it. We have an audio version available for you uh, as well. And on Wednesday's episode of OHL live, I went in depth on that plan and uh, we went in depth on the week that was in week eight, Um, in the NFL this season it was a it was a good one like I'm saying the NFL is back or at least getting close and it's kind of fitting you know fall is kind of getting here finally and um, the World Series ends tonight so baseball will be over the NFL won't be having to compete for those ratings anymore but um, we saw some some higher level of competition some higher quality which which was good it was a sight for sore eyes you know sight for sore eyes and uh, we enjoyed it and I think. We're in line for a good weekend this week in the NFL. You've got Thursday Night Football, the Buccaneers, and the Atlanta Falcons. Probably the, the tastiest Thursday Night Football matchup we've had so far this season, which isn't totally saying a lot, but is saying that at least it's a good game. It's it's hard to take a step back from Titans Jaguars, and so uh, at least we'll get to see the Falcons. It is a color rush game, so yippee! We get to see more uh, more weird uniforms, but at least the football will be of good quality. We'll have another episode of the NFL podcast for you later in the week, where we preview all the action from Week Nine uh, and all that fun stuff. If you like the NFL podcast, reach out, follow the NFL podcast on Twitter at the NFL podcast. You can check us out online www dot. The NFL podcast dot com. I know we're pretty uh, we're pretty cool like that. Also, watch Ocho live. Follow it on Twitter at Ocho live, Ocho live dot com. Periscope. You know the drill by now. I appreciate you listening to this episode of the NFL podcast and uh, my ramblings on week Ocho. It was a good one. It was good to us. If you're Cowboys fans, it was good to us. If you're Falcons fans or Broncos fans or Patriots fans, it was bad to us. If you're a Cardinals fan or if you're a Colts fan. So um, sorry about that. But uh, either way, it is – by the way, I'm just kind of realizing this here. Let's let's play this game right now off the top of my head. It is not a good year, I believe, to have a white helmet. So looking at the white-helmeted teams, the Titans are okay right? Um, The Cardinals, not so good. The Colts, not so good. The Bills, not good at all. The Jets, or I say the Bills, not good at all. The Bills are probably, they're okay. The Jets are the ones who are not good at all. Um, The Chargers, struggling. Um, You don't have a white-helmeted team who's doing well this season. The curse of the white helmet. That's what 2016 is, the curse of the white helmet. I'm going to look Uh, And I'll tweet this out and I'll talk about it on our later episode this week. I'm going to look at the last time we had an NFL playoffs without a white helmet present. Because we're looking at that potentially happening in 2016. So, I want to end on that note. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Have yourself a phenomenal rest of the week until I talk to you again, which will be soon as we get ready for week numero nueve. And uh, just have the best day ever. Best day ever. As always, go Cowboys. And peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you going do? You wanna get down?